Welcome to UIDP Conversations, where we have candid discussions about partnership and collaboration across academia, industry, and government. I'm Sandy Ma with UIDP. Ned Calder and Freddie Solis of Innosite talked with Alan Bladder of Edgewell Personal Care about the innovation strategy that organizations need to continually drive transformational change. They asked the critical question, can you say what your R&D strategy is? To start this UIDP conversation, take a listen to this excerpt, originally recorded at UIDP Connect 2020. So Freddie and I work just as a bit of background. Freddie and I work for a company called Innosite, which was founded about 20 years ago by Clay Christensen of the Harvard Business School. Uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with uh, his work around uh, technology and disruption. And he founded Innosite to really help organizations, you know, large organizations in particular, you know, drive transformational change in in their market. Uh, a lot of his, you know, research was on why it's difficult for organizations when they get to a certain you know, scale to continue to be innovative uh, and drive new disruptive or transformational projects in the market. Um, and so that's the problem that you know, Freddie and I work on. Um, not surprisingly, uh, technology and technology strategy is a, a big piece of this. Uh, a lot of transformational innovations um, you know, start with the technology. It's not the only you know, thing that matters, you've got to have the right strategy and business model and an organization that can uh, effectively, you know, bring it to market. Uh, but technology is a, a core catalyst um, for a lot of those types of innovations. And, you know, as, as we spend time with, you know, organizations who are, you know, thinking about investments in technology and using them to uh, drive, you know, growth over the, over the mid to long term, um, you know, there's a couple observations that we have um, and some interesting observations from, you know, researchers who, you know, study that problem. You know, one is that it's getting harder. Uh, it's getting harder for companies to uh, continue to invest in, and drive change, you know, enabled by technology. Um, and, and that's, you know, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one is that the number of spaces that many organizations have to pay attention to and have to make investments in is, you know, increasing. And that's a reflection of the complexity of the products and solutions that we have, uh, you know, in our, in our daily lives. Um, there's a couple examples here, um, you know, Moore's law now takes 18 times, uh, you know, more investment to get the, that same doubling as it did back in, in the seventies. So, so there's technical reasons why, you know, this problem is getting, you know, more challenges. And then, you know, there's a whole host of, you know, more market facing um, issues that also make it, you know, challenging, you know, for example, increasing pressure from, you know, the stock market on, on near term, you know, financial, you know, returns, um, you know, more capital flowing into, you know, startups creating, you know, in a sense, you know, competition for, um, you know, technology investments and, you know, forcing companies to, to move at a, a much faster, you know, pace. And so as we, you know, step back and, and you know, look at all this change that's happening in R&D organizations, uh, in large corporations, you know, there's a need to be much more intentional um uh, about about those investments um and, and be very you know clear about the decisions on you know where we want to invest and why it's important you know for the business and, and also equally importantly you know where we're not going to you know um you know invest um it's also important to uh increasingly you know have clarity on the impact uh that those investments will have on the business and that doesn't just mean you know kind of near-term impact that's that's great and that's important and there's a role for r d to support um, you know, near-term business outcomes, um, but but also even on the, 
you, you know, those longer term investments that may not, you know, pay off for five or 10 years, we've got to have a clear linkage to um, um, and a clear line of sight to how the investments that we're driving today, um, you know, will create optionality in the future for the markets that are tied to the long term strategy of the organization or help us enable, um, you know, new solutions that over the mid to long term will drive the, the growth and the prosperity of the company. Um, so that's that's kind of the the setup is that there's just increasing need for intentionality in, in our R&D you know efforts in large organizations, um, and you know I think a lot of organizations are putting more focus there, but but there's still opportunity you know to to improve um, you know our experiences uh, there's a lot of you know local optimization individual projects um, you know you can make a, a case and justify you know why an investment makes sense. But a lot less global optimization, looking across the entire portfolio uh, and thinking about how do we optimize across all of that to drive uh, a strategy for a business. You know, we still see a lot of, you know, what we might call zombie projects, you know, things that, you know, were funded and made sense one day and just seem to, you know, continue on, um, you know, at some, you know, small pace without ever reaching maturity, without ever, you know, driving, you know, change in, in the market. Um, and, and then we also still see a lot of, you know, unclear, you know, connections, um, you know, to, to, to the business um, uh, impact that the investments are, are having. So a lot of, you know, projects that are interesting um, in, in terms of advancing thinking on, you know, a given a given topic, but but not clarity on, you know, why that makes sense for our organization to to focus on that and how that can enable. Um, you know, new products, new solutions, um, and, and new options for, you know, for, for, for growth in the market. Um, and, you, you know, so Freddie and I are reflecting on, um, um, you know, a number of years working with organizations on, on this problem, tried to kind of collect our, our thoughts um, and um, hopefully offer some, you know, useful lenses for how companies can, um, you know, be more intentional about their R&D strategy and really maximize the investments that they're making. The, the lens we use for that is, you know, one of, of strategy. And, and that simply is, um, you know, a mechanism to say, you know, strategy in a generic sense being about making explicit choices about, you know, where we're gonna put those investments, what part, you know, what technologies, what markets we're gonna be in, and then coupling that to, you know, the capabilities and the resources and the talent that we need to, uh, you know, in, enable that. and. You know, so as we went around to a lot of organizations um, and asked them, you know, what is your R and D strategy? Um, I think a lot of organizations struggled to art articulate that. Um, they could sort of describe the things they do, but they couldn't articulate a coherent, you, you know, um, strategy, if you will, for where they're making investments and how they're going to, you know, deliver against those investments. Um, and so we posed uh, five questions to, um, you know, leaders of organizations to hopefully help them. Um, more clearly, you know, articulate, you know, their strategy and drive, you know, better decisions about, you know, investments. And, you know, Freddie will walk through those, you know, questions in, in a second. And, you know, the last point I'll, I'll make just in terms of, you know, sort of context and introduction is um, I, I do think there's a, a really important connection here to, um, you know, university industry, you know, collaborations. I think universities, you know, still have a significant role to play in helping organizations think about you know, uh, technology and science developments um, to inform the long-term, you know, health of an organization um, and increasingly, um, you know, to really drive impact in those relationships, they need to understand the linkage between, you know, the things that they're working on and that long-term strategy of the organization 
you know, that being a fundamental mechanism to, um, you, you know, bridge the kind of the outcome impact gap uh, that, that you see in, in a lot of those relationships. Freddie, do you want to um, may, maybe run through um, some of the questions that we pose to leaders? Let's do it. So the challenges that Ned outlined, you know, imply that organizations need to be more intentional about how they pursue R&D. And intentionality is the key keyword there. First, we just want to introduce the five domains or the five questions that we would ask if, if an organization were to try to develop an R&D strategy. And the first one is a question about aligning on the purpose for an R&D organization. So is your organization supposed to support the core uh, business? Is it supposed to hedge against disruption? For example, um, if you're a petrochemical company, um, is the R&D organization supposed to hedge against electric vehicles or biologics, or is, somebody, is, is another function in the corporation intended to do that? Or is it meant to create new opportunities? And, and when we collaborate with companies, we often see a lack of alignment of the types of problems that the R&D unit is supposed to be solving. And this, in in, this gets a little bit more complicated because as of late, you know, there's more organizations that are tasked with uh, technology development and innovation uh, in a company. So you don't only, you don't only have an R&D unit um, trying to develop technology and support you know a purpose uh, of technology development in an organization, but you have also corporate venture funds, you have incubators, you have accelerators, and all of that makes it very important to have clarity into the mandate of the R&D unit. Um, it, so it helps with decisions on how to invest resources and how how to coordinate with collections of larger groups. The second point is about being more intentional about an aligned view of the future. So oftentimes, you know, R&D leaders are tasked uh, with creating technologies, technology narratives for the future, and leaders often agree about which technologies are trending. Um, but what we see often is leaders not agreeing with the specifics of timing, impact, uncertainty. And um, in order to make decisions about where to focus, those specifics of timing, imp impact, and certainty are, are really important. And then we would argue that those are what drive action and investment in an organization, whether that's a corporation or whether that's a university. And so creating an aligned perspective of where the world is going, in what time frame, with what impact, and what likelihood is critical to having a clear R&D strategy. The third area where um, we see companies needing to be more in intentional is in establishing uh, what we call focus areas. And this is not about defining uh, specific technology. So it's not about, if you're a chemical company, for instance, it's not a def about defining a specific chemical to go after or a particular formulation uh, to pursue, but it's about defining clear boundaries of an area of opportunity. Uh, in a priority, in a portfolio of priority spaces, grounded on the view of the world that we just talked about, um, and and the key the key for this is is having an appropriate level of direction for the organization, um, but um, but leaving um, room for pieces of the puzzle to evolve. And and the way we argue to do this is to try to frame the focus area, but not necessarily try to solve what the challenge or the focus area should be. So for example, DARPA, you know, an organization um, most people should be familiar with, um, frames their focus areas as mastering the information explosion or harnessing biology as technology. And you know, having those clear boundaries creates uh, the ability for specific pieces of uh, 
of technology to emerge to, to emerge to address those challenges. And so something something that we find helpful as as we help companies define technology focus areas is having a common language. Uh, for example, um, we often define uh, technology focus areas as the intersection of a technology relevant to the future environment, uh, a capability or solution that provides commercial advantage, and a market opportunity that connects a technology and a capability to market trends and customer jobs. And then the, the fourth area uh, to be more intentional about is in syncing um, R&D and business. And it, it probably goes without saying, but creating a successful strategy in a corporate setting requires ensuring that the outputs uh, fit in the context of the broader enterprise strategy of an organization. And a, a helpful analogy we use from the engineering world is, is the concept of an, of an impedance match. When business and R&D get out of balance, uh, we often see R&D efforts stall. So it's important to use tactics such as bringing business leaders early into the conversation or establishing what we call triangle teams um, to ensure that there's buy-in uh, on R&D efforts in the organization. And then the fifth um, and final area that, uh, or question that we pose to create an R&D strategy is being intentional about the bridge between strategy and execution. And we term this strategic programming. So after spending you know, significant time and effort setting direction, um, jumping straight into execution sometimes creates challenges if there's no alignment on how resources are gonna be allocated, how um, efforts are going to be governed, or if project teams or work streams have, have set up appropriate charters to guide activities. And so in, in essence, you know, a fifth element of creating an R&D strategy is having a, a clear translation of the strategy or a clear programming effort um, that allows to bridge strategy with execution. So, but taking a big step back, you know, the main theme of, of RPs is intentionality. And you mentioned during your talk or, or Freddie, you mentioned, and maybe that's part of what you're referring to, this notion of trial teams. So it sounds like there's three elements to that. So I can see R&D and business being one, but is there a third element or maybe you could talk more about that? Yeah, sometimes when we go into an organization, you see a setup where, um, uh, and this is a little bit more common in product-centric organizations and, and maybe in other types of, uh, uh, say, industrial B2B environments, but you see teams organized around um, a technical lead, a business lead and a user experience or a customer lead to, to ensure that um, there's perspectives from each part of the organization coming together as an opportunity is being shaped up. That's very interesting. Um, you know, because in our organization, it's interesting yeah, that I always talk about the three legs of the stool. So like for instance, in our innovation sprint processes and we're a product driven organization, but I think it's, it's valid for B2B when you have customers just uh, meet their sure. needs as well. It's it's those three legs. It's I always tell people on the team, it's it's what what innovation you bring to table to solve what customer frustration point around that need, but then it also aligns with where the business wants to go and how the business wants to grow. So I think that's that notion of a triangle team or at least sequentially or, or in, in parallel solving for those three interests. I, I think so on the business side, a lot of different interests and you know um, you know, really at, at a CTO level, 
you know, depending on where that person is, how new they are to the organization, or maybe where they are in their career, they may have their own kind of personal interest or, or own agenda for things they want to accomplish. How does that, how does those individual interests get balanced with, with what the organization as a whole needs to do? You know, you shouldn't, you know, be subservient to kind of, you know, individual whims and interests, right? Um, you know, that's a recipe for, you know, everybody having their own pet project um, and then just completely sort of watering, you know, down, you know, your investments. Um, you know, Freddie and I are, you know, big proponents of, um, you know, having a, a clear long-term strategy, you know, for an organization that articulates, um, you, you know, you know, direction and, and you know, sort of where we're, you know, where we're headed um, that can create, you know, kind of that aligned view and drive investments in a, um, in a coherent kind of organized way. I think that's, that to me is how you get critical mass um, and density, uh, you know, in, in areas that, you know, are actually going to, you know, drive change, you know, versus, you know, like I referenced earlier, like a lot of these, you know, individual personal interest projects or zombie projects that, um, you know, somebody, you know, funds. So, yeah, you know, I think often, um, oftentimes, sorry, and then oftentimes what, what we see is um, organizations that are effective at this, you know, it, it are the ones that in some form or fashion employ a philosophy of disagree and commit, you know, and getting on board with that, with that aligned point of view that Ned has been uh, describing. Um, we might not agree that the world's going towards electrification, but we will move as an organization to explore technology focus areas related to it because otherwise we risk disruption in the long term, right? So, so that that's where you know probably the agendas need to, you know, in our perspective, you know, st stay out of the picture, um, in some form or fashion. So you always have this this competing priority between the short term and long term. And I think that's Jeff's question. Do you, should you just separate it out? But at some point, I suspect it has to be driven by one person. What, what's your thought on that, about separating that short and long term or core and outside? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd offer two thoughts. And then, you know, Freddie, curious, curious your take. Um, you, you know, one is, um, yeah, I think one of the, the, you know, the biggest mistakes that, that you can make or where this, this problem becomes particularly acute um, is is when there's one pot of money um, um, because you know if there's a single you know sort of pot of money that people are allocating, it will always be easier to m make a case for ROI for those things that are near term that support you know kind of the core business. And so I think one of the things that you've you've got to do to you know get away from that is you know starting with that long term strategy, be very clear about. Um, you know, how much innovation you can get from your core business uh, and how that's going to contribute to the long-term growth. But then also, you know, how much do you need to commit to other forms of innovation and other forms of, of research um, to, to make up for whatever deficiency, you know, is in that first bucket, um, you know, in terms of meeting your, you know, long-term objectives. And so you see, you know, companies that do this well, they're very clear about, you know, we're going to split that pot of money into, you know, I don't know, 70%, you know, goes to, you know, the core business and they can optimize within that 70% uh, as best they can to support the business. But then, you know, 20, 30% is going to be, you know, carved off for, you know, mid to longer term, you know, kind of investments. And, and that, you know, bucket of money, you know, will be optimized, you know, separately. Um, and so it's really tied to the long-term strategy of the organization and the recognition that, 
you know, we've got to have a balanced portfolio of investments, you know, otherwise, you know, at some point, you know, that core business is going to tap out. And if we don't have other things in the funnel, um, you know, that just creates a problem for us. So I think discipline at, at a top level about, you know, separating, you know, budgets for near term, long term and, and creating, you know, protections around that is, um, uh, you know, is, is particularly important. But, you know, on this question of, of separation, so, um, um, you know, I think we do see value, um, you know, in separation. I mean, it's sort of, you know, classic, you know, sort of in, innovators dilemma, right? That, you know, the, uh, the, the inertia and the pull of the core business can, you know, just sucks, um, you know, energy and intensity and focus towards, um, you know, the current paradigm. Um, and so it makes it very difficult for things that are, you know, trying to do something, you know, newer and different to, you know, develop in, in a way that, you know, makes sense for the market. So, you know, that's a that's a strong argument, you know, for separation. I think that the challenge and what makes this really challenging is that if you simply create, you know, kind of an island um, without the right connections to the core business, you know, one, you know, arguably that could just be an investment strategy, right? Um, and, and two is it doesn't take advantage of uh, any of the capabilities or resources that the, that the core business have that would give those, um, you, you know, those new area, um, you know, an unfair advantage, if you will, um, you know, in, in the market. And so finding the right balance between, you know, separation and connection, um, and really importantly, getting the governance of, of those right, um, so that that, you know, the, the new entity or the, you know, the folks who are, you know, looking to drive things outside of the core business can, can pull, um, you know, what they need from the core business and not have it pushed on them. Yeah, get, getting that balance is, is the tricky part that you really have got to be thoughtful about. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, this being UIDP and, and certainly the longer term work, at least in our organization, I think in many, you really start to get into external partnerships, whether they be with startups, mm -hmm. other organizations, mm -hmm. and certainly universities. So uh, just kind of looking at the chat, you know, since this all hasn't quite been figured out uh, so well across industry, it seems to create um, some havoc or wreak some havoc in these industry to university collaborations because mm -hmm. the universities are yeah. kind of on the back end of that. So they're trying to, as I look here, they're trying to set their own strategy. And of course, universities are always going to be more long-term, more foundational work and, and less directly applied to the market today. Um, how do, how do, what's your recommendation for universities in trying to make sure that their strategies and their research um, is aligned with the long-term strategies of, of companies who may not have that quite figured out or that might even ebb and flow? Like what's any thoughts for universities, how they deal with that if these, if these are their customers? Yeah, I mean, I'd say a couple of things. Um... You know, uh, this, uh, you know, a number of years ago, I led some work at uh, some research on this this topic at at MIT, and um, um, you, you know, one of the things that you know you saw that you know was a challenge that a lot of you know university industry collaborations, the folks in the university didn't understand, you know, uh, very clearly how their work was connected to the long term you know strategy you know of of the organization, um, and, and so you know you would see. Um, you know, a nice paper, a nice technical paper coming out or a piece of code or, you know, whatever. So to have a, a good outcome um, that was judged positively, but it ultimately didn't, you know, really have a material impact, you know, on the organization. And, um, you know, there was, there's a number of, of, of drivers for that, but, but one was this, this exact issue of there wasn't enough time 
you know, spent of, you know, the, you know, whoever the, the principal investigator was on the company side, helping the university really understand how does this project, you know, fit into the long-term strategy of the organization? How does it enable us to get into, you know, different markets? How does it have to connect with other things? Um, and, and so, you know, one is I think just making, you know, investing, you know, more, more time there. Um, um, so I, I think that was your, you know, kind of first question. Um, your second question was around, you know, what if that, what if that doesn't exist uh, within a corporation? Which, you know, uh, yeah, look, uh, I mean, there's a lot of companies, I think, who, who don't, you know, have very robust, you know, long-term, you know, strategies. So in absence of that, um, you know, I do think, um, um, you know, there, you know, maybe one option is to, you know, really get a deeper understanding and try to bring in some of that understanding of, of how a market, you know, is, is likely to unfold and have your own point of view, um, you, you know, on, on that to, you know, to complement or fill in the gaps or anticipate, um, you know, what might be, um, you know, what might be important for an organization, you know, kind of as it evolves and, you know, not be sort of, you know, exclusively focused on, you know, sort of a narrow, you know, piece of, of technology, but understand how that technology is likely to, to plug into, um, you know, market, you know, as it evolves and be able to engage in that conversation, you know, proactively, you know, with your partners. Yeah, right. I, one thing that I would add is, um, in generating that point of view is is if there is no long-term strategy just at least from a researcher or principal investigator perspective just, just having a clear view of what the long-term vision and potential application spaces spaces of that technology can be that's where the idea of what what the focus areas or um uh, for for a lab or an r&d unit in an academic organization could be so if I'm developing a sensor technology, is it applied to food technology or is it applied to agriculture or is it applied, you know, more chemical analyses and having your own perspective of, you know, at point a, at point point uh, at a given point in time, say near term, we're going to be in a particular application space and that's going to be what we call, you know, Lilypat one. And then, you know, then we're going to evolve and this could be applied in three other spaces as capabilities mature and that's going to be Lilypat two but all in service of a grander vision of, you know, long-term, you know, if we develop this technology, it could have applications, hypothetically, you know, across X, Y, and Z domains. And having both, balancing both the tension of like, if we succeed at this research endeavor, you know, it could have impact in these spaces with, here's some clear lily pads along the way in which we can generate impact um, uh, in, in business um, in addition to academia. You know, that, that can really move the needle. Thank you to Ned Calder and Freddie Solis of Innosite and Alan Blatter of Edgewell Personal Care for that great conversation. UIDP supports professionals at top-tier innovation companies and world-class universities build better partnerships. Learn more at UIDP.org.